Would you please honor and bless uh, Leif Hetland with me? God bless you and God bless you and God bless you. Just wave to me and smile for a second. Let me see. Wow, look at all of you beautiful people. It is wonderful to be back again in California, in Pleasant, California. And uh, I just uh, decided to spend the next few moments just kind of to give you an update and just to connect with you, to look at you and let you look at me for a few moments. Uh, I've just been traveling. Uh, we spent about uh, yeah, over five and a half hours just just a flight, and then on the top of it, we had some drives. So it's been a long day, but it's been a very good day. And uh, I'm just so grateful for the season that we're living in. And I thought about just sharing a couple of things, because yesterday I was interviewed on a TV program, and they were just asking me about the whole ISIS situation. How many of you are concerned about what's going on there with the ISIS and then the Ebola crisis? I mean, we just hear all these different news. And I'm constantly getting people that are coming to me, and they are asking me, they, they want my voice in regard to it, and uh, uh, but, but here is just something that God has been provoking to me in this season. And I'm just uh, saying that to warm up. Uh, but, he rem- <laughs> but he reminded me, and that's a, that's a good smile if you know me. No, it's a, uh, I, the, the fun part of that was just uh, last week I was actually in a large mega church. And they had six campuses. So you had like 4,000 people plus the campuses. And what happened was they had these six cameras. And they said, I mean, oh, we want you to be free. Take whatever time you want to. But you have about 23 minutes and 12 seconds. And, <laughs> and then you have about 15 seconds of going up. And then make sure you do. And then you look at the middle camera because all the campuses you say amen. And then you can pray for the people. You have six and a half minutes. And then everybody need to be out. And then the next group comes in. But feel free. Do whatever you want to. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I am pretty free. And, and for some of you that don't recognize, uh, I am Norwegian. Uh, I know some of you are concerned that I was from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> I'm just living in Atlanta, hot Atlanta. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, but, but, but it has been brought a lot of tears to my eyes lately, watching what's going on there. And then I met with a group of uh, people in Orlando. And again, in this interview, the, the big question, you could almost feel the rage and the anger. And, and what do we need to do to destroy these people? I mean, that was kind of the view. And then uh, the Lord just took me into the story about the first terrorist that I found in the New Testament. And his name was Saul. And Saul was terrorizing and actually was even involved in the gruesome killing because of radical religious belief in the killing of Stephen. But when he actually was meeting this radical terrorist, when Jesus met him, I'm just uh, watching Jesus. The way that I would have asked the question if I was Jesus, Saul, Saul, and I would have had a little of that. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing the people? That's the kind of a tone that I've heard. But just try to read a verse again and see, Saul, Saul, what is it in you that makes you do these things? I'm not so concerned about you killing everybody. He is concerned about that, but that's not my number one concern. I'm concerned about you because that's what love does. And as a result of when he's going into the very deep root of fear 
anger, prejudice, and everything else, because that's what love do. And perfect love is about to cast out fear. Then he gets to the very root of that, changes the very environment, and here you have Apostle Paul. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. When he described 1 Corinthians 13 there, he's talking about a person that he has met, an encounter that he's met. So, so, so how do we do that? Or then I was watching a documentary. I'm just warming up my voice. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be part of a new book that I'm, I'm doing for next year. It's called Transformed by Love. And I'm taking incidences like that. that how did a radical terrorist be transformed by love? But how do you take a greedy billionaire? So here you have, a, do you remember Bernie Madoff? I mean, he stole and skimmed and all these horrific things. And when I watched this documentary, I first had this attitude of, we, we need to do something about this. I mean, this guy deserved to be there in Rotten. And then you heard all these horrific things. I mean, that's the kind of a natural response. And this is what I'm hearing. And especially, of course, I'm broken when I'm hearing the stories of people that lost their retirement. They lost their saving. They lost everything. But how would Jesus approach it? And I'm just going after Jesus in every area. To get Christological glasses or sun glasses. So that I see people the way that he sees people. Love people the way that he loves people. Think about people the way that he thinks about people. Feel about them the way that he feels about them. And then able to transform the environment. We have people. We need people right now that can transform your environment. Because this environment has changed. And this has changed. And this has changed. And then he took me right into Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He was the chief tax collector. This is the most horrific kind of occupation. Because actually what they did is. I mean first he he was a tax collector. But he was so good at being a tax collector. And that is actually pretty much stealing from people. Skimming from people. Taking from people. So And then put it in his own pocket. So he himself got wealthy doing it. And then on the top of it, now he is the chief. So now he's motivating a lot of other thieves. Hey, welcome. So good to see you. (laughs) So if you're looking at then Bernie Madoff and that story, and then suddenly I have my Zacchaeus story. And then you can see this little man that, that somehow is coming out hearing that Jesus is coming. But he would be in the distance. I don't know if he would be one of the Wall Street guys or whoever that where people were going around with signs that makes you wonder. But how is Jesus? So I'm just on a journey and I, I want to join you. I, I want you to join me on a little journey just together with Jesus. Someone that suddenly is changing the environment. But here, uh, when Zacchaeus, he climbed up in a sycamore tree. Why sycamore tree? Because sycamore tree is a tree which is designated for poor people. For provision for poor people. So here it is, this wealthy billionaire that, in our terminology, this is Bernie Madoff. That, that took from everybody, skimmed from everybody, stole from everybody, raised up a whole group of people. Like a mafia that squeezed everything So that he could be on the top. So he could become super wealthy. So he could live in his palaces. When we're thinking about people like that. Do we just sense. Wow. Or do we feel a little. How did Jesus see it? 
Eventually, the guy was sitting in it. This, this provokes me, but I'm, I'm doing a book, a whole book, just chapter by chapter by chapter of my own encounters with a billionaire, with a terrorist. I have my own stories as well as the Jesus stories and the journey that I have together with Jesus, how to face that. And then, but this touches me because here this little man is sitting up in a tree. He first tried to, 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 to press himself through the crowd to be able to see. But he got some elbows. Nobody's going to let that little guy. Even if they didn't know who he was. But then Jesus is coming. He just looked up in that tree. And he does something. He says, Zacchaeus, could I come to your home and, and have dinner with you? You need to understand when a rabbi or teacher is doing that, that is called a covenant meal. This is before repentance. Because the goodness of God leads to repentance. And we overcome evil by good. And there's a goodness revolution that is coming to America. And it's about to sweep this wall. But, but until we change sometimes our worldview, the way that we see people. If we cannot see and this is going to be a little bit of my message today. Can you see when you're looking at the terrorist Saul, the ISIL, can you see the Apostle Paul? Do you treat people based upon their history or their destiny? So the question is just, Jesus goes there and everybody, I can see the judgment. And that was the judgment many times of Jesus because it was so opposite to culture. Because he had a different culture, the culture of heaven, but the byproduct of this. And I think that everybody, every pastor said, yes and amen, we were like that. Because after an encounter with Jesus, just loving on him. Being there with him. I do not even think and say, do you know what you did wrong? I mean, don't you know all of these different people? That's church people, my people. You have stolen from them, your people. You better shut down all of that. Get down on your knee and then bow. Then you and I, uh-uh. It is just coming together. Hey, Zacchaeus. Getting right into the very root of what was the issue with Zacchaeus. And when love touches those areas, something changes in the environment. And Zacchaeus gets so overwhelmed by this Jesus that he meets. And he says, Jesus, pretty much, I'm a follower of you. And by the way, I, I used to take, but now I want to give. And, and I'm going to give to every single one that I've stolen from. And on the top of that, I want to give four times more back. Don't you think we would have a lot of funds in the kingdom if a lot of the billionaires had that encounter with ordinary people like us? All I'm saying is I just want to stretch us a little bit. I'm on a journey with Jesus, and he challenges me. Barabbas free, and Jesus becoming a terrorist, so the terrorist could become free. He who is innocent, this is normal Christian life. Father, I have declared your name among them, and I will declare it, that the very love, Father, that you have loved me, that love is going to be in them. Say, that love is going to be in me. The perfect love that the Father had towards the Son, the perfect love that the Son had towards the Father, that perfect love from eternity past, that's going to be in us. And then Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this is just some of the things that's been stretching me as I'm going into some of the darkest places in the world, meeting some of the radical Muslims, meeting with the top Shia Muslims, Sunnah Muslims going in there. It's, I want you to see them the way that I see them. 
But before we can do that, it starts with, and that's going to be a little bit of basic message. It's my foundation message. I'm not going to even mention a whole lot of products, but I have a few new products out there that will help you. One of the books that I really recommend in this season, it's kind of my foundation book, Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes, if you have not read it. But it's just, how, how do you see God? Because how you see God is all to do with how you see yourself. You do not see the world the way it is. You see the world the way you are. But until you get the proper reflection and a proper view of God, 92% of the believers in America has a view of God that does not look like Jesus. Well, Jesus is perfect theology. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's an impossibility for you to have a view of God that doesn't look like Jesus. And when I see Jesus looking at that terrorist and the way he asks a question, and I'm studying all the way that he is asking questions, or to see him in a Taliban culture, this is Middle East, not in America, meeting a woman, a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day with all of her issues and the way he goes about, that leads to such a transformation, one encounter with love. But why doesn't that happen with every single person getting in touch with us on a daily basis, that the environment is changing because this environment has changed? This is something that I'm on a journey, and I'm just asking you to join me. Is that okay? It's just a, a fresh baptism of love. Uh, so anyway, so I have one. It's a new memory stick we have where 12 of my key messages are on to make it very easy. And it, it costs $25 instead of you would have to pay seventy-five, eighty if you were going to get those messages. Anybody wants it? Okay, you got it. <laughs> And, and a new book called Supernatural Abundance, Supernatural Abundance. And mainly I asked the question is, how will this actually look like? Because the, the scripture verse was, all that I have is yours, Luke fifteen thirty one. When the Papa is saying, so why is it that, I mean, let me just give a couple of thoughts to this. God worked for six days so that the seven days we could rest. So the first day that man had with God, that Adam and Eve had with God, was a day of rest. Because God didn't want them to see him work. So that the starting point was going to be rest. And they were working out of rest. What we do is we work so that we can rest. God wants us to rest so that we can work out of rest. It's called the hard work of rest. And rest will become your weapon of warfare. And out of rest, you will start to wear the enemy out. If you're finding a place in the middle of your store, my good friend Bill Johnson, uh, I just heard from him a couple of days ago, but Bill Johnson, he, he often says that you only have authority over the storms that you can sleep in. Jesus was asleep in the middle of a storm. And there's a lot of storms around us, and we're going to learn how to find rest, peace in the middle of our storms. And part of my weekend here, so this supernatural abundance is mainly all that I have is yours. I start to ask, what happened to the prodigal brother? Because there's a bad ending. So I just created my own version of it and put some Bible verses in the end. But it's just talking about uh, how does it look like when we have a heaven full of resources that is available for sons and daughters. But we are out on the field trying to work for something that is a gift. And you can only receive a gift. So if we learn how to work out of intimacy, out of rest, 
then suddenly we're going to see an abundance and the purpose of abundance if you're afraid. And let me just define it in a few moments. If you need $10 to be able to, 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 be able to have groceries today, but you only have $9, that's called insufficiency. If, if you need $10 and you have $10, that's called sufficiency. If you need $10 but you have $11, that's abundance. So when we talk about abundance, it's in every area of our life that there's more than enough. What is the purpose for it? For all good works and all good deeds. So that we can dream with God and do what we were intended to do. So anyway, that's just a simple thesis, supernatural. It's my wife's favorite book because I tell kind of more in a story format and there's a lot of emotion in it. Who wants it? Okay. There's some more back there. So I'm just starting... uh, I love this family, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, the blessing for me, and I was sitting and thinking about it, uh, four or five major conferences uh, I've had to say no to just in the last week, even to be able to be in meeting with some of the most amazing people in the world. And uh, uh, the blessing I have, I get about 400 invitations a year, uh, and I can say yes to 40 of those. But when I say yes to something, it is because it has a very significant... I'm a very good investor. So if you saw what happened up there, and uh, we, uh, I'm going into places in the world a few years back. I went to a group of Filipinos that nobody believed in. And uh, one of my assignments was... How many of you saw Paul Yara when he was here? Okay. So Paul Yara, he, he just spent a few weeks at my house. But, but I... I left, actually, I had an opportunity to speak to 5,000 key leaders. I'm just setting this up as a stage for my message today. But God had been dealing with me because before I had a sonship. How many of you have sonship and you've heard about spirit of sonship? You ladies are included, by the way. Like all of us guys, we are bride. So this is a spirit of sonship. It has to do with a position towards Papa God and towards one another. So when it comes to the spirit of sonship, I had a sonship, but I also had an apostleship. And then I had leadership, and then I had discipleship, and then I had fellowship, and then I had stewardship. I had all these ships, until all the ships got shipwrecked. And all, the only ship that survived, it would be December 2nd, would be nine years since this happened. It was Sunship. That was the only ship that survived. And then whoever gets the picture of the sun gets everything. It's like a small little boat and there's all these different traps that you will find in the ocean and life. But this little boat can navigate you and you follow that boat and all the other big ships has to follow it. So anyways, I went through this journey, but I I have a spiritual papa. His name is Jack Taylor. They call him Dr. Jack Taylor. We talk to each other every day. He's 81 years old. And... uh, But every day for eight and a half years, he's been a papa for over 14 years, but for the last eight and a half, almost nine years, every day I lean my heart towards him. I do it towards Papa God, but also towards him. And I do that with a clarity is because that I have to do it in the spiritual, but also in the natural to be a son. And I'm focusing on being a son. I'm not focusing on fathering. Today I'm fathering a movement of God's Spirit. We have about 350 churches. We have a television in the Middle East that is just transforming so many lives and nations. That's a totally different story. We do a lot of different things and have some businesses and and have about 5,300 leaders in 22 nations. They are lamb on the inside, but they are lion on the outside. And then they are eagles. That means they are lovers, warriors, and ambassadors. 
And so we, and that started with this small little thing that when I came from California, that's why California, all of these things started to trigger it. Uh, I went to a treatment center. I'm just going to, this is life. And then I want to give some lesson here connected to it. But in this treatment center in California, because of, I broke my back, broke my neck, broken a lot of my body. But uh, for about nine months, I was in a body cast. I had six surgery, but over 11 years period of time, and then later on a tumor and many, many other things uh, because of some of my hobbies, as you can see, is high-risk hobbies. Uh, when you're going in and, and you confront darkness in the darkest places, hell is a little bit nervous about it. And there is an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Even if, as we know that Jesus comes to give us life and life more abundantly, there are still some scars when the enemy is hitting you. So anyway, so for 11 years I was on opiates and medication and pain medication. And this is while I was traveling around the world doing conferences with Bill and Randy Clark and many of these different people. So I was traveling around, but I was still addicted to opiates. And it was a very painful journey because I'm praying for people and I see creative miracles, I see healings. And myself, I go to bed after the meeting is over, crippled by pain. I actually just had another surgery not long ago in, uh, in June. So I'm just saying that just for you to be able to see the other side of the coin because I, I want you to know the real me because I, I believe in authenticity that we are supposed to be real and relevant and very relational in what we're doing. And sometimes you have to understanding also some of the history to be able to see the destiny. And let me just give you a comment to that. God will not treat you in behalf of your history, but your destiny. So who were you before the foundation of the world? Because the Bible says he predestined you before the foundation of the world. Who were you before you were in your mother's womb? Before you were conceived. So who are you? And part of my assignment, that's part of what we're going to do this weekend, to, to, to have an upgrade. How many here likes upgrades? Uh, I didn't have it on my way here, but I'm going to get it on the way back, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going to get some of you to lay hands on me. <laughs> that was a long trip in the back of the plane. <laughs> But anyway, I'm just saying this and connecting together. So anyway, out of, I came out of, I went to a treatment center and I got off all the medication. That's almost nine years ago, December 2nd. But now I didn't know how to live because I, I, I couldn't travel without medication. My doctor says you cannot go to the nations because you have so much pain and, and there's nothing you can do any longer. And so for five months, night and day, I cried out to God, but it didn't seem like he was listening. The dove left me and I was left with pigeons. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. Pigeon religion is very different than when the dove is there. And if you're from an evangelical background, let me say, I was very assured of my salvation. I knew I was going to get to heaven, but I just did not know how to get heaven to me. So I'd rather just get out of here and get to heaven than continue to be here and experience a little bit of hell here on earth. If I could get the upgrade. I was still blessed with a great ministry, beautiful wife. We've been married for over 25 years, four amazing kids and a son-in-law. So I had a lot of things to be grateful for. But you need to understand one of my core value, and it's also connected to my root fear. And that was the root fear in my life. And all of us have an area where is a root fear. And until that is really dealt with, that root fear for me was losing the anointing. 
If I have his presence, I have everything. But if I have everything, but I don't have his presence, I have nothing. But I didn't know that until I went through the season. And for five months, God was playing hide and seek. And it had nothing to do that he didn't know how to find me. He just wanted me to find some things in me that I needed to find. So that I knew it was easy for me to say no to everything else because I had a big enough yes. And you will not be able to say no if you don't have a big enough yes. So this journey started, I came out of that treatment, and some of you have heard this story before, but I felt I wanted just to use that as a springboard to connect to the very thing, because the fruits today is so tremendous. What we're seeing, not just around the world, but also in America, what I'm seeing on a daily basis, I'm actually seeing that the ordinary doing the extraordinary. But it started, uh, uh, the first event after this five months ordeal of literally living in what we call, a, it could be a cave, or it could be the dark night of the soul it could be the molting eagle there are many ways to describe but it was literally the darkest time of my life and there was no presence i couldn't feel it i couldn't read the bible i couldn't do anything crippled by pain crying out to god but it was no answer and it felt like a life sentence if he had said you go through this for five months and then that would have been easy but you didn't know it was just day by day and every day was just a cry Anyway, so when that took place and the presence of God finally came back, uh, the first meeting I was doing was Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and myself that was doing a big healing school at Hosanna Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, when we were heading up there, I was just like, I didn't even want to be there. Because I knew how to operate with my apostleship. I could release words of knowledge or I could just bring the presence in. I could change environment. One of my calling is to be an environment changer. So in any setting, do you take me in the Muslim world here or in the CEO meeting that I was just in two days ago in, in Orlando? Wherever we are, we, we change environments because the environment here can change the environment around you. So to be environment changer. But now I, I didn't have any tools. The only tool I had because all God had given me is to be a son. To be a little boy with a big papa. And uh, I was not very good at that. And then uh, I, uh, on my way up there, I had these classic messages, including this one was the first one that changed Paul and Amira's life. And it was the first message I did up there because to be able to describe this language is the best way to put eight hours together in 30 minutes for you <laughs> so that we can land and make my curfew and... <laughs> But I'm saying that because it's, 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 I'm trying to connect with you. My whole heart is to help people to be able to, and this is what I got the opportunity to do. When that conference was over, like I did with you, I normally never started. It doesn't lift the faith level to people when you're just talking about, well, I'm walking with a limp, being in treatment center, and the presence has left me. I mean, we've just been in this thick present in here. It's like, and I'm like even sitting here under the presence. It's like, wow. People, he is here. His presence is here. There's healing in his presence. There's joy in his presence. Wow. And when we have his presence, we have everything. This is it. There's no reason for me to add anything to that. That's it. That's why we came, to be with him. Whoa. Because the one that we are beholding is the one that we're becoming. And what we're becoming is what we are leaking and releasing. So anyway, so this, uh, this thing was stirring. So I finished five sessions there, and the story was just a group of Asians met together in a room, a small group, uh, 
primary Filipinos, but a few other nationality. And they said, could you show us? And I showed them an old video that I had back in those days from uh, where 26,000 Muslims got saved in that meeting. And they were just, they sat and wept and wept when they watched the video because they'd been fishing all night and getting very little. And then I just said, let me show you a different way of fishing. Let me show you a different way of loving. Let me show you a different way of changing environment. And when they watched it, it just blew every paradigm and they didn't even know this existed. And it just broke and they wept and they said, could you just pray for us before you leave? It was a lunch break. Bill met with a few people. Randy did with another one. And my, my assignment at lunch was with this group of leaders. But anyway, when it was over, I, when I prayed for Paul and Almira and them, it was like a sledgehammer from heaven. They went down. Everybody went down, but they were like a sledgehammer. It was like, woo, did they get hurt? But when they came up, they said, look, and there was oil flowing out of the hands. That's a sign that makes you wonder. <laughs> I like signs and wonders. The next day they said, can you, can you be our spiritual papa? We travel all the way across from the Philippines. But we are an orphan ministry. We're many orphan ministries and orphan churches and orphan businesses. And, but we, we're mainly orphans. <laughs> We know Jesus and we know the Holy Spirit. We've been fasting. We've been pressing in. We've done everything. We even spent 40 days. We were right in the middle of a holiness move, revival in the university. That's how Destiny Minister International was started. But now, as I'm saying, we, we've just become a bunch of orphans. And we don't have a father. And Paul says, you have 10,000 instructors but few fathers. So anyway, so with tears and eyes, and I can be honest with you, I was thinking, I have enough trouble. I mean, I had just come from a treatment center, and I'm trying to think about how can I go home and be a better father to my natural children. And I had a lot of spiritual children and a lot of ministry, and I didn't need anything else on my plate. But the Holy Spirit dealt with me and said, if you say yes to them, I don't want you to treat them differently than your own children. And then I gave him just a father's blessing. It was kind of a symbolic, but I, in the huge hallway, I prayed for Paul and I'm here, and Paul was here, and... God just touched them. Something exploded on the inside. The very thing who they wore from the foundation of the world suddenly came alive. And something was transformed. And at that moment, they were changed and has been changed forever. And uh, today, actually, just Monday, they're going to Myanmar. This last week, they traveled all over America in the last five weeks, including in Atlanta, just adding value. But we have team in 22 nations right now. It's just incredible stories. I can talk about people being raised from the dead. I can tell you. In, I mean, ups and every single day, we just get a list of story of what God is doing to ordinary people. But here you have these poor people. They lived in a, pretty much of a shack, lived in poverty, struggled, strive. And they had a whole movement that lived in poverty. Not just financially speaking, but pretty much in most areas. And... Uh, uh, I, I went to Seattle afterwards and did a conference, and then I got the call that would be the home run of Christian ministry. If you say yes to this, you have everything that you can dream of. That is the first class. First of all, they offer you first class bed on the plane. You have five-star hotel, and they have, I mean, it's, it's nice honorarium. When people pay you $10,000 a day just to show up and to be part of something, that's not bad. And they pay for all of the expenses. So it's almost like, wow. Plus, it would be also an introduction, products, and all the other stuff that you get to do. And suddenly, but now do you remember the dove had been away for so long? And I was walking in such a sensitivity to the dove because the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. 
But uh, the Holy Spirit was very sensitive with me at that moment. And the Holy Spirit, we were at the Starbucks, the original Starbucks in Seattle, when I got the call and the dove said, say no. And I thought, I wanted to rebuke you pigeons. <laughs> Where did the pigeons come from, Azados? Why is the devil speaking to me? <laughs> but I, I recognized that beautiful, sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. Say no. And then later on, I got a call in Nashville. My son and I was there and said, Hello, Daddy Leif. This is Paul and Almira from the Philippines. And I'm like, oh, Happy Father's Day. It was June 2007. I'm like, oh, who are these people? We met you at Hosanna Lutheran Church. And, and remember us? You prayed for us. We are the one with the oil. And then in the hallway, you became our papa. So, we've told everybody about you, all of our movement and everything else. We've told our pastors and leaders how amazing we have the anniversary of a ministry. Can you come? First, I didn't have a whole lot of money at that time period, after everything I've been through. Second of all, I knew that if you're going to go over there, it's not like the first class ticket with five-star hotel and honorarium and everything. It means you pay. And then you fly over and you're sitting back close to the toilet in the back of the plane. <laughs> and after you've had about 18 hours of flying, of a couple of pops, you're getting there. And then you start to pay and take care of everybody that don't have anything. That's called a mission trip. <laughs> I know they call it family celebration, but it sounds like a mission trip to me. I am saying something here because I have a point. And if that's maybe, this is what my point is. The Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, I want you to say yes. And here is the statement. This is why I said all of what I said. You no longer have time for big conferences and meetings, but you have time for family. And the kingdom is a family business. If God wanted something differently than a family, he would ask you to call him something differently than a father. Why don't you pray our CEO or our boss who art in heaven? Or is it my papa, your papa, our father? We honor his name. We're going to see his kingdom come. We're going to see his will be done right here in my life, in my body, in my marriage, in my children. What's in heaven on earth? That's a family business. So there was a shift that started at that moment in my life. And I started a journey. But what I didn't notice, I went over there, met with the two Filipinos. And we hanged out like within just four days with us. I didn't want to do any big conferences or meetings. I wanted to connect then and, and learn to do family. And then they brought me to 400 of the other people that was connected, leaders and other ones, and we met together. And all of them had a baptism of love. And that's why the book Baptism of Love, because all these books are things of this journey together. And then there was a healing of the orphan spirit. And they weeping and weeping and weeping. And in front of 700 top leaders in the Philippines, I washed their feet and I kissed their feet. And when my tears touched their feet all over the place, because I wanted them to see how apostolic looks like. And something started to change in the environment. 
And they, they didn't understand. Eddie Villanueva has the biggest church in the Philippines. J-I-L, Jesus is Lord. He ran for presidency. So they came up and said, hey, we've invited you to come. Why are you going to Los Banos in the middle of nowhere? How, how are you getting him there when the biggest churches in the nation have asked for him? For conferences. And they said, well, but Daddy Leif doesn't have time for big conference and meeting, but he has time for family, and we are family. <laughs> <laughs> so something changed, and there's six of you that's going to be prayed for tomorrow, and I'm saying that, and you're going to see it. You're going to see an environment, how a whole culture has moved in. But I got the opportunity to take 400 people, and this is my point, just as a basic foundation of what I'm doing. Uh, got to experiment a little bit of what you're doing here in the micro. I got the experiment of taking, how do you take 400 pretty much orphans in poverty and everything else and help them to find their identity? Say identity. There's been an identity, identity theft going on in the kingdom of God. And the enemy has been trying to steal the identity. And the average believer don't know who they are and whose they are. Because who Jesus is to you is who he will be through you. So there's a lot of people that don't know who they are. They do not know who they were before the foundation of the world. And why the enemy? Why is it that the enemy, if I had one hour with each one of you, give me the list of all the attacks and the problems, the divorce, the pain, the Cancer, whatever you go through, and I can tell you what your destiny is. Because where the serpent has bitten you is where you have the greatest authority. I'm just giving you some freebies. So, so here is this journey that we started together, and, and, and I didn't know exactly how to do this. I still remember, and I, I know I stretched somebody's, but, but I, I, because of this pain and I didn't have medications, I could, do you have any place where you can get massage? It was pretty late. We came from the airport. So a couple of the pastors there from the Philippines, they took me to this place. It's called Rough Rough. That's a very nice name, isn't it? <laughs> rough Rough Thai Massage. It's like, I'm sure my wife wouldn't give me permission to go in here, but it's like, well, this place is open. It's like, it's late at night, so... I know this, uh, I hope this is not being recorded. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> but I'm just saying that so, so some of that was taking place there. So these Philippine pastors, but they were one. But there's a Buddha sculpture, the guy with a cast that was sitting inside. Make the story short. Three days later, that whole Ruff Ruff staff was sitting at our anniversary party. All of them saved. The guy with a cast, that's the manager, was he? Because they had a view back in that, in their culture, they had a view that if you're getting around darkness, darkness can get to you. Instead, if darkness gets in touch with your light, the light is going to penetrate darkness. If you touch a leper in the Old Testament, you become unclean. In the New Testament, if the leper touched you, they become clean. I mean, so this whole, so, but I didn't know that God was setting me up for these experiments and they got to watch. And then in the next moment, abundance and other areas. So they got their identity back. Say identity. Identity. And then second of all is dignity. Say dignity. Every single one in this room is very valuable. Say valuable. Uh, Some of us, we didn't know because here is some of the theology. And this is not a quote of my friend Bill Johnson. uh, And he says that Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable. He died on the cross because you are valuable. Let me say that again. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable. He died on the cross because you are valuable. When Father God saw something of great value, actually what killed Jesus, do you know what killed him? We maybe think it was your sin or your sickness, your shame. Your... But I think what killed him was Jesus became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. The last thing he says, Eli, Eli, lama samartani. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was separated for the first time from eternity past from love so that you and I could be restored back again to fullness and no longer live for measure. So identity, dignity, that means value, and each one of us is are very valuable. And that this is just what I gave these 400 after the baptism of love, healing the office, but that started with the identity. Then I showed everybody, no, 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 that's not who you are. Let me tell you about you. You're brilliant. Me? Yeah. Second place in the World Memorization Championship, third in Beijing, and second in London, one of them. And he used to pick trash before. I can tell you story after story after story. Every single one of them I can tell you story of 400. And this is what I love to do. Is So then I got to experiment not just with those 400. Then I went to Cuba. I went to a lot of other nations in the Middle East. We got to experiment to be able to. And this is, if you can say, if there's four things that I want you to be left with by Saturday night. is for you to see you the way that God sees you. And I'm going to give you a 28 program. 28 day program. To do that. Papa, what do you see about me? For you to start to look in the mirror and see what he sees in you. Second of all, you're going to start to think because it's going to renew your mind. You're going to start to think about you the way that he thinks about you. Papa, what are some of the thoughts that you have towards me? And start to think like he thinks about you. Then you're going to feel that's capturing the emotions of God. And yes, he has emotions. And you're going to start to feel about you the way that God feels about you. And the last thing is, God, Papa God, what do you have to say to me? And then you're going to listen to that still small voice. And as you listen to that still small voice, you're going to learn to hear what he says. And then you're going to start to speak it out. And you're going to say what God has to say about you. Within 28 days, I have reprogrammed you. And you are not going to look the same. And you will never see anybody else the same, including your family. So that's going to be the upgrade by the time we're finished. So are you ready for the message? Yeah. Are you okay? That was just a warm-up. I mean, when I have a chance, actually, I am going to... This is probably the most... If you ask Bill Johnson or Randy Clark and many other people, I can guarantee you this message here, because even everything that I said, uh, I'm giving a visualization so that you can remember. Say remember. Let me give you another word. Say understand. I want you to understand because if you can understand, you can value. Say value. You cannot value something you do not understand. So if I gave you this ring and you thought it was glass, you wouldn't treat it the same way if you knew it was a diamond. And by the way, you are a diamond. So the way you treat yourself, take care of yourself and love yourself, that's another part of the upgrade this weekend. That you're going to learn how to love you the way that God loves you. 
And some of us, we have not been very kind to ourselves. We're going to start to give ourselves some good hugs and speak some nice things to ourselves. When we start to see ourselves the way he sees us, we start to treat ourselves also the way that he wants to treat. But he says, Leif, you have loved the world well, and you have loved people well, but I'm teaching you how to love you the way that I love you. But I had these three chairs. I didn't even know that I hadn't done that before because there's nowhere where I normally don't do these three chairs because there's eight-hour teaching that's connected. If I would put a simple title on it, it would be just a kingdom worldview. How do you see the kingdom? How do you see things from heaven's view? Because if you can see the kingdom, you can seek the kingdom. And if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added. But there is a difference. What is, what is the word kingdom? The kingdom just means the rule and the reign of the king and his domain. It is the reign of God, if you put it even shorter. So when we talk about the kingdom, the reign of God, the kingdom in your life, when you talk about kingdom health or kingdom family or kingdom relationship or kingdom love, you need to have a kingdom template on everything we do. Because if you have a kingdom template, every single piece makes sense and they are coming together. But what happens with us if it is the grace and truth message, whatever these things is, many of the people, they're making the picture grace instead of that the kingdom is the picture and grace is part of the picture and all these other doctrine. And what many of us, we're getting in a ditch when we're no longer seeing things from heaven's view. But this is going to help you tremendously. So can you help me so I can do this in 25 minutes and 12 seconds? Because I do, I do want to have an activation in the end. And then we continue tomorrow. Is that okay? Just wave to me and smile if you're okay with that. Wow, congratulations. You're looking good. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Okay, I missed a few of you. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Oh, very good. Okay. I can move to a little bit deeper thing. This is chair number two. Which chair is this? And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? Chair number one. And by the way, every single one in this room, you live your life out of one of these three chairs. Everyone that you know lives a life. Everybody you see on TV lives a life. Every church is either a chair number one, church two, or three. This is just a, a clear worldview message. And I'm just going to describe so that you can know what I believe that most of us do is most of us are going to, we live in this chair and now and then have a visit in this chair. Like we felt during the worship, the team was there. We could feel the presence of God. Couldn't you, could you feel the presence? Could you feel that? Ooh, the dove was there. But many of us, we do not know when we leave this building and going in the car and getting in traffic jam. How to bring the same dove with us. And so we didn't know what happened when the dove left and pigeons. Or some of you may be going to a spouse who is not a believer. Or somebody else go to a waitress who was maybe, maybe had a bad hair day. So how are you treating her? Which chair are you treating her from? Okay. Chair number one is the chair of commitment. Say commitment. Yes. Chair number two is the chair of compromise. Say compromise. Yes. Chair number three is the chair of conflict. Say conflict. Yes. In the world right now, there live 7.3 billion people. 7.3 billion, yeah. And that's good. That's a lot of people. That means there lives more people in the world now than has ever lived. But if I describe all of those 7.3 billion people, there is about uh, the majority in this chair. 
And that's one and a half billion Muslims. Of those 85% are Sunnah Muslims. You don't need to remember that. I'm just putting a little framework of my eight hour. 15% of those will be Shia Muslims. That's the group connected out of Iran. Primary Syria is the majority population in Iraq. A lot of the situation is going on. If we had a time, we would do a worldview seminar and learning about that and how to reach people, how to pray. But, but you will get an idea. Here, there lives 1 billion and 50 million Hindus. Say Hindus. Here, there lives 600 million Buddhists. Say Buddhists. Here, you have a lot of atheists. Say atheists. And you have half of the Church of America. According to Billy Graham, I just made a quote. <laughs> chair number one, you're saved. Say the word saved. saved. Every single one of you, if you live in chair number one, you are saved. Say the word saved. saved. If you live in chair number two, you are saved. Say the word saved. saved. If you live in chair number three, you are lost. Say the word lost. lost. That means if you were to die, you will not get to heaven. You will have the other alternative. And it is not very good. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by Him. And all what Papa wants is for people to come in chair number one. And you're going to learn that in a few moments. If you're living your life in chair number one, and I want you to get this. It is the Spirit-filled life. Say Spirit-filled life. The Bible says when you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. Well, we, is, we are learning seminars in chapter number 2, how to conquer the flesh, and how to get rid of all the issues that is in chapter number 2, instead of teaching people how to walk in chapter number 1. And we're going to learn a little bit more about this. But I'm just going to give you a framework here. So this is the spiritual. When you're living in chapter number 1, let me give you a couple of more comments. The supernatural is natural. Let me say that again. In chapter number 1, the supernatural is actually natural. But if you're living in chair number two, you're living the soulish life. Say soulish life. That means that you rule, your life is ruled by your emotion, your will, your mind, your personality. So when God speaks, it has to filter through that to touch your spirit. And you do not know when you're living your life here, is this God? Because God speaks to you, because you're saved. But is this the devil, or is this just myself? There is no clarity. Here it's always clear. My sheep hears my voice and follows them. All I do is what Papa is doing. All I say is what my Papa is saying. There's an incredible flow here. There's an open heaven over a person. And we're going to learn a little bit more about this amazing lifestyle that many of us visit. But very few of us are living. And part of what I want to do is instead of having a visitation, I want to have habitation. Can we say Amen. Oh, very good. You're a good audience. I may be finished 20 seconds earlier because of your good response. <laughs> but when we're coming here to cheer this chair number two, where you live in the soulish realm, you want to find out that self is in the center. It's like somebody came up to me and said, hey, I want you to know, I did not like, I didn't like the music tonight. I love your preaching. And I came here we, we did this big event with Jason Upton and some of these people. And this person came in and, and said, well, we, there, there was too noisy. It was this and that. And we didn't like the music. And I said, well, it was not for you. It was for him. <laughs> so I, I want you to know that it's okay. The day that you are the one that we worship, I get to you. <laughs> but... Right now, there is just one on the throne. 
there's only one superstar. There's a lot of superheroes, but one superstar and shines very well. And as long as you worship him in spirit and in truth, if it is loud or if it is wild or mild or... He just wants earnest worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. All I'm saying is that what we're seeing over and over again, we've been abnormal for so long, chair number two, that when the normal happens, they believe it is abnormal. And I'm going to go a little bit more deeper so you can see the differences. And I'm actually slower than I normally am in the sense I'm, I'm taking my time on this. But let me just give you, let me give you the theology that led to this. First of all, let me help. Because some of you coming from a theology, and I remember I did. Uh, how many of you know who John Kilpatrick is and Brownsville Revival? Yeah. We were doing a pastor's conference together. And, and after he left, I, was, I got a question answering time with some pastors because both of us was teaching. And, and uh, I love and honor everything about John. He's an amazing, amazing guy. But one of the pastors said he really struggled with my chair message because he said, I mean, it's impossible for the person in Chernobyl 2 to be saved. And I said, well, in your sermon, they can be lost in my day or saved. And this is my sermon. <laughs> I had somebody else came up and in my book, Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes, I said, well, he's a well-known THD theology doctor. They came up and said, well, I love your book, and it was very touchy, but uh, let me tell you a couple of wrongs there. I said, so, so did, did you notice? Well, I don't think I agree with you. Well, that's okay. I maybe don't agree with myself either, so that's fine. It's, it's like, what's the issue? Would you rather be right or have relationship? And if you're going from glory to glory, if you're going from faith to, to faith, there's things that I don't believe. A year ago, I'm different today than a year ago, and next year, I'm going to change again. And that doesn't mean I throw out. It's like when I first met Jesus. Wow, that was it. But then the Holy Spirit came in, introduced himself, and whoa. And then Papa came in. You don't throw out the other ones when you get more and more revelation on something else. You build up on it. So I'm just saying that in regard to... So here's the theology that led to this. Can you help me? Are you awake? Wave, smile, and let me say... Okay. This is the theology of chair number two. Say it with me. I believe... I behave, I, behave. I, belong. I belong. What it says, that's how I got saved. And that is called the gospel of salvation. And it will take you to heaven. But it will not bring heaven to you. So right here is, I believe... I behave, then I belong. But here, chair number one is, say, I believe. I belong. Then I behave. It is not what you do, chair number two. It is not what you do that makes you who you are, chair number one. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. Let me say that again, because there was at least 11 that didn't get it. <laughs> if we had name tags, I would point you on now. <laughs> Listen, chair number two is, it is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. 
So the identity here, the value and everything else that you have here. And let me just describe this chair a little bit more. When you're living in chair number two, you're living for God. How many have heard, well, we need to live for God. If you're living in chair number one, you're living from God. In chair number two, you will ask God to bless what you are doing. That's what I met with some CEOs. They asked me, some brilliant CEOs in Orlando. They flew me down just a couple of days. Uh, I was there on Tuesday and Wednesday. They said, how do we, if you use my language here, how do we build kingdom businesses? Because the way we build our businesses, we build, we build businesses. And then we're asking God to bless our businesses. And then we give to God. That's all we know. So how do we do it from a supernatural perspective? How does actually God build his business? And for myself, he is the ultimate CEO, and I'm underneath him, and it's a kingdom business, an unshakable business, and he prospered, but adds no sorrow to it. How does that look like? How is business from heaven towards earth? This is always from earth towards heaven. Saved, doing the best that I can, working, competing, do whatever is needed, and one day I hope I'm going to get to heaven. Here I'm saying, come, Jesus, come. I hope that you're going to rapture us run away from this. There's Ebola virus. And... While Jesus here saying, go, church, go. Because when you are going, I'm coming. There's a totally shift. And the biggest thing that, now if you want to get to the root of some of my heart, because of chair number two, this is why all these people are on chair number three. The reason we have so much darkness is because of this one. The reason all of them hates is because of this one. And I just saw a survey. Part of the reason I wrote the book, Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes. How do you see God? How does God see you? How do I see you and the world? And how do I see the future? If I have a loving father and then I love myself the way that he loves me and I love you and then I have a lovely future. Everything is up, in, out, forward. Four dimensional. That's chair number one way of seeing it. But when we don't see it, so uh, two British sociologists went and they wrote a book called The Four Kinds of Gods. In America. And in the survey, they travel all over and they started to ask Americans, What do you believe about God? When you talk about God, what is, what is your description of Him? And to be honest with you, this is my view. It was in the front of USA Today. I sat on the airplane when I sat it. I had tears in my eyes because I realized that America has a view of God that looks so differently than Jesus. 23% had Him as an authoritative. Actually, most conservative, politically speaking, has a very angry God. And then you have a lot of the liberals that have a very benevolent God. Because they, everybody has a God in their own image. But I realize the four different types of God, the critical God and the abusive. You can look at all those different pictures. That it seems like God is very bipolar in nature. And he seems to be in a mood swing. And that's how you live your life here. And it's up to you to please him. And if you do certain things, then he's going to smile at you. The starting point here is I have an A+. Jesus took my F and he gave me an A+. What is true of him is true of me. I am his. And I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved son or daughter. 
He loves me. He likes me. He delights in me. I'm his happy thought. He is for me. He's not against me. If he had a wallet, my picture would be in it or on it. At least a refrigerator, my picture would be on it. If I had a tree, he would call my name on it. He's crazy about me. But to be able to have a God that looks like Jesus. But then I started, as I did my survey, I realized that 92% of the believers had a view of God that didn't look like Jesus, including myself. And I had to upgrade and change my view. Because Jesus is perfect theology. And it's the only way you can see the Father is by seeing Jesus. If you want to see God in flesh, look at Jesus. See a God that washes somebody's feet, that meets a Samaritan woman, that see the terrorists and say, what is it about you? And changes the environment, that heals the sick, cleanses the lepers, raises the dead. And then when we know it is us that are supposed to go on the cross, he says, let me take it. I take your F and I give you an A+. I take your shame so that you can be glorified. I take your sickness so by my stripes you are healed. So there's something taking place here. There's a rhythm. Let me give you a couple of key words. Chair number one is all about rest. Say the word rest. I am not very good at it, so I'm on a school together with you. I'm a high A personality, all the... Strength finder, disc profile, Briggs and Meyer, whatever tests, I end up as a lean forward guy. But God is teaching me how to lean back. He's teaching me the productivity of rest, of doing nothing, just to be. Be faithful, be fruitful, be love, be joy, be, be. We are human beings, not human doings. But why is it so difficult for us just to be in the Father's presence, to see His face? Because that's what we're creating now in Channel One culture. We're individual marriages. If you have husband, wife in Channel One, you have a synergy. One can do a thousand, two, ten thousand. Then you have children. You have generational blessings. We're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. How to transform cities and nations, touching lives and transforming nations with love. Is that good tomorrow afternoon? I just came up with that right now. That, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> that was a chain number one thought. But here's how, how, here's how it's up. I said, here I can see his face. Here I can hear his voice. Now you have a prophetic people. Here I can feel his love. Not just know that he loves me. Oh, I know he loves me. Here I can experience his presence. And I can live in his pleasure. He is well pleased with me. So before I take the exam, I already have an A+. And I can live with pleasure instead of pressure. Uh, are you getting it? But the, the difficulty in this chair, this chair, and how many of you recognize this chair? We are trying. Say trying. trying. You will find another key word is restless. Say Restless. Here you will have stress and you have all the different things and all these different issues and all the things going on and he did or she did or the reason is I know the Bible says but where is God when I need him? Why doesn't he speak to me? Because we're not aware that all the enemy needed to do is touch the root button in our life. We moved chair 
And when we get in the wrong chair, it's us against Goliath, and we see how big the giant is instead of how big God is. I'm just trying to put a very simple, basic language. It's an eight-hour seminar that I, I started, and I took my Filipinos through this, raised up a culture in Chernobyl. One day we've removed Chernobyl two out of their lives, out of their marriages, out of their finances. Because how does finances look from? Because if you're going to see, just can I give you just a practical thing, financially speaking? Anybody here like a financial breakthrough? Okay, very good. Okay, so let me just give you a financial break. When I, had, when I went to treatment center and I came out, I had over $40,000 in medical bills. And at that moment, I hadn't ministered. And when you don't minister and travel, when that's a primary income source, and from a lot of other areas, products, you don't sell products, you don't have partners, you don't have... Plus, I'm sending checks to 22 nations around the world to help people while you have no income coming in. How many of you know that's not healthy? Okay, but, but again, so uh, there was two ways. I could deal with it because I'm teaching Chernobyl 1, or I could deal with it from Chernobyl 2. Because here it is a promise, here it is a problem. Let me say that again. Is healing a problem or a promise? It depends which chair you're sitting in. If you're in chair number one, it is a promise. Chair number two, it is a problem. As soon as it's a problem, you're going to achieve something. You're going to do something instead of be something. And it is up to you instead of up to Papa. Instead of up to the Holy Spirit. When you're here, you have a dove. Say dove. You have a Holy Spirit that is remaining on you. But in a moment, as I'm saying, when you leave here, you're going in and you have pigeons. Say pigeons. And pigeon religion is very different than when the dove is there. And they make a lot of mess. Here you are very prophetic. Say prophetic. Here you are very pathetic. Say pathetic. Here you are very anointed, say anointed. Here you are very annoying, say annoying. Here you are living for God. Now, excuse me, let me do, take a different one here. Uh, because I say here you're living for God, but here you're living from God. Here you're living towards your inheritance. Here you're living from your inheritance. Here you're living towards your victory. Here you're living from your victory. And I can make you dizzy, but I could have 243 scripture verses and put together the manual eight hours and take you through and explain why is this wool in a mess and what are we going to do about it. That's part of my Kingdom Worldview seminar. And in 2015, we're going to put it up in a few cities and then 10 cities in 2016 with visualization to help to be able to solve something. But this has helped more people because what happens now is we start to adjust one another. So with the finances, I didn't forget about it. So my question is, here I'm thinking about, here is how many meetings I have to do, and here is how much I have to work, because you're thinking from a cursed way. And what is the curse doing? The curse is that you have to go into the soil of the earth. You have to work. And you, according to how many hours you work, according to how much you make, is how you can pay. Because that's chair number two. There's nothing wrong. There's just something that is not right. <laughs> it's not kingdom. And what you will find, everything I described by Chen one is kingdom. Kingdom alignment for kingdom assignment. Kingdom identity. He's the king and I'm the dumb. Kingdom. 
He rules and He reigns. He rules and reigns of the universe. He is in control over everything. He is not nervous. The, <coughs> the expansion of His kingdom, the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. He is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. The whole earth is about to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covering the seas. The kingdom of the Lord is going to become the kingdom of this world, and He's going to rule and reign forever. There's a covert revival from Chernobyl 1. It's not just overt, and a lot of us have learned the overt of how to go around and minister, but it's a covert like a Daniel going in, changing the very system from the inside. Like the Josephs, the Nehemiahs, the Esthers. A covert revival. Like one of my uh, <coughs> beloved spiritual sons that is picking up the Chernobyl one. He is a police officer who has been the number one police officer in that whole region and county with hundreds and hundreds of officers. Because he goes in Chernobyl one into the secret places. That's where you get secrets. <laughs> so they have suddenly two criminals that everybody is looking for. He goes... So he entered into the hard work of rest. When you're going into the secret places, chair number one, you put linen clothes on. That means no sweat. And I'm coming before him. Here I am, your favorite one. Hey, Papa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> And in that place, what you're beholding is what you're becoming. And now what you become, now he changes. He takes off his linen clothes. He puts on a police uniform and says, excuse me, guys, but we have to go on a patrol. Let's drive. It's like a GPS. There's the two criminals that you've been looking for. There's this drug, big shipment. It's going from Florida. It's going to go up to Chicago. It's going to Ohio. Okay, you go again. Back here. Mm -hmm. my sheep hears my voice Papa we have a situation there's this issue I don't know what to do but you do you know all things you see all things and I'm just coming before your presence right now and then the police officer ooh okay thank you Papa Shh, Jehovah sneaky we don't say oh thus says the Lord he comes out of that very place and saying hey there's going to be a shipment of drugs here's what's going to take place and uh, I needed 12 officers here's what we're going to do and they think he's the most brilliant person in the world. That's the Daniel. That's the covert revival. I could tell you hundreds of stories of people that right now is changing environment. They're in business. They are CEO. They are creating solutions to things in education and government and business. Every area of society, they're changing the environment, including neuroscience, where kids suddenly, we, we just did with an average with a school now in the Philippines. It was just totally on the bottom scale. Let's practice this thing, but let them out. let's not tell them anything. We just brought the presence of God in there, chair number one. And the environment was there to change the environment of these kids without trying to convert. But now when the parents see their kids being so brilliant, <gasps> something has changed in the environment. They ask questions. That's the part when we can an answer. I don't know. We are not stopping the overt. Do you hear me? But there is another covert revival coming. And we're going to learn how to do that. That's chair number one. Amen? So here we are back again to my situation. So I'm there. I have so much pain, nauseated, migraine, $40,000. Then we got some more bills. Can't travel. So I went to chair number one. Papa, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm a son. 
and I have this thing. And I know I could run and try to add an extra 10 conferences, but I'm already booked up. So there will be more time away from home with all this pain, but no medication. So I don't know exactly how to do this. And then Papa said, okay. And first I was thinking, let's see if I can get something from the Word. But I couldn't read a Word because my brain couldn't handle it because of pain. Then I came up with this idea, because that's what happens in Chernobyl when it's called creativity, because you're with your creator. Imagineering starts to take place. Because suddenly now here, the place that you're living is from heaven. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. The environment where you're at is back again to the garden where you do not have just up to 7% like an Einstein to operate from, but you have the whole 100% to tap into in regard to the wisdom. But you do not always know what that is. All you're doing is you're just trusting. And then suddenly I got this. I would love to have had a CD. If somebody had a CD on healing and scripture verses and just with some music. And I could sit and listen to the healing and just experience the healing in this crisis situation. But I didn't find any. So I looked for something. I didn't find something was suiting what I needed. And then it needs to be Chernobyl 1 anointed because the more you play, the more you want to receive it. If it is annoying, then you play it for a little while, but when your chronic pain, it starts to irritate after a while. So let's test that out. So I got the pianist. I said, can you just play piano for me? Let me see if you're anointed or annoying. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, could you just play the piano? Just continue to play. I have pain, migraine, and everything else. But the more he played, the more soothing was it. And I knew that's the one. And that radio voice I just listened to, oh, that voice, I brought him in. I didn't have money, so I just... Brought these people together. Make the story short. This is the kingdom way of doing economics. You find loaves and fishes. That was my loaves and fishes. According to whole many other people. Now, this became my bread and butter. In my hungry situation, it's brought healing to me. We got 486 other people the first year. Testimony of healings and miracles that took place in their life. But on the top of that, thousands of people listened to this. So we sold 5,000 of those for $10 each. That's $50,000. That's called abundance. We need it. So we had 12 baskets left over. That is $10,000. Do you see? That's a different. That was, that's this way of doing business. So I started to teach my Filipino, Chernobyl 1, in every area how we do it. What do you have in your house? What is the miracle? And anyway, I know I need to start to land this. Can you see the picture? There's a wall in darkness. We have an issues in Washington, D.C. Right here, you're going to sit there and try to figure out if you're a Republican or Democrat. I'm not against that because I believe in an orphan world. One is better than the other. But it's not the kingdom. And as soon as we start to be fighting for something and start to have this, this is right and this is wrong, we start to misrepresent heaven. Everything here is living from heaven towards earth. Everything here is hearing his voice. Seeing his face, feeling his love, experiencing his presence, and just abiding and living in his pleasure. And I freely I receive, freely I give. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. You got some bad news? I got good news. You got sickness? I got healing. You got sadness? I got oil of gladness. And we start to become environment changers. I would love to see you having an encounter with Chernobyl 1. Is this helpful? Let's stand to our feet. Father, you
You're a good papa. Jesus, <laughs> you are that pearl that is so beautiful and valuable. I do not understand why not everybody would sell everything they have to buy that pearl if they had seen Jesus, the pearl of the great price. The kingdom is like a pearl. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. Jesus, you are that king. And we recognize that treasure in the field. Why wouldn't anyone get rid of everything they have to be able to buy the whole field just to get hold of that treasure? There's something that happens when we become kingdomized, when we become kingdom possessed. And I'm just going to spread a kingdom virus in this room. And there's nothing that is going to come against that kingdom virus. It produces health. It produces wealth. It produces wisdom. It produces everything that is needed for us to do and to be. So from this very place of rest, the hard work of rest, as we are resting, you're working. Father, I just release right now. Come home. Whoa. And the invitation. I want you. This is Papa God saying, I had a word when I came here. I want you to see you the way that I see you. And the only way you do that is from this perspective. To see you the way that I see you. To look in the mirror to see that. Who are you? So now, just in your spirit, I want you to say, Papa, what do you see in me? I feel I have to leave you with this one picture. I maybe did it last. I just, it came to me, but I just, just take a few minutes while you're in the present. But in, in the Philippines, a couple of years ago, I ended up in Chernobyl too when I definitely didn't need it. Uh, this door opened up for me to minister to 202 nation leaders. The president of the Philippines just two years ago was there, the governor and central bank, the world's largest church leader, and a lot of other things. And I'm like, I was supposed to get 15 minutes, and I thought about doing these three chairs. I didn't even have a chance, 15 minutes. But I was so nervous and felt the pressure and all the expectation of all the people that have opened this door. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can handle this, Papa. And I... My Filipinos was, oh, it's going to be excited. And for me, all I wanted to do was to hide somewhere. I just didn't want to be there. I just felt overwhelmed. And then uh, I had a vision. It's an open vision. And I'm going to leave you with that tonight because you're going to have that picture. And that is, I was playing basketball. And uh, just take a look at me for a second while you're in the presence. But with a basketball, I was looking and I saw... 89 to 87, the enemy's team was winning. And remember, I'm Norwegian. I don't know basketball. Nothing at all. I never played basketball. So it's strange that God gave me that in a vision. But here I am coming with, and it's a three-point line. And I knew enough that's 89 to 87. I was just receiving the ball. When I looked at my team of players, they were different color, different nation. The team against us was very intimidating, very huge players. And it was just a miracle even that we had that score. It was definitely going against the odds. But I could feel the pressure as the ball came to me and the audience like this was watching. And there was a whole wall because of the TV cameras that was watching. The wall was watching. And I knew it had to do with a tipping point. If I make this shot, 
202 nations would be open up. If I don't, there would be a door shut. And the ball has been given to me. I knew what it meant, but I didn't help a whole lot. And I'm about to throw that ball with all the pressure, nervousness, a little shaking. And then I hear, hey, hey. And then I look, and there is this gentleman with beard. He looks up and he said, that's my boy. That's my son, Leif. <laughs> and I'm like, Papa. <laughs> but here's, I wish I could have given you the look because of the light here, but... When I looked into his eyes and he looked into my eyes, one thing I knew is it doesn't matter if I score or do not score. He is already well pleased with me that I'm just out there playing ball. And I was so relaxed through that ball, went in and we scored a three-point tipping point happened. But that didn't matter. That was not one my value. And he says, if you can just get that look, and if you can just get that look from Papa God right now, close your eyes and I want him to look at you for a few moments. Let's just take a few more moments, and I want him. That's my girl. That's my beautiful. She's beautiful, isn't she? Wow, she is awesome. That's my girl. And whatever we're going through, just that look, that look changes everything. So I just release right now that look. I say, wow. Yeah, there it is. You were dancing with him. You were stepping up on Papa's shoes. And he was leading and you were leaning. But you were trusting. That's what I heard him say. He took his little girl. She felt safe. She felt secure. She felt loved. And she trusted. <laughs> Father, all over this place, there's been many different looks we've had. Looks from could be fathers or friends or bosses or relatives. But I do know, Father, right now that when you, when you gave me that look, something changed. Sometimes I just ask that I will see that look a little bit more often. Mm. Yes. deeper. His love changes everything. His look changes everything. It's just a little look. Having Papa, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. My Papa is well pleased with me. If you didn't like my sermon, he did. I had an A plus before I preached it. It's a, it, it. There's an advantage for us. So I just want to bless you right now. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free.
tomorrow afternoon we will have a chance. Maybe tomorrow afternoon we have a chance to just uh, continue. But I, there's three things in the look that you're going to get. And uh, one of them is it's the perfect love that takes away all fear. The second thing, one is from the Father. The second one is light comes in. And pictures can only be developed in dark places, in dark room. But when you open up the camera and the light comes in, all the pictures is being erased. And I learned that in Africa on safari in the late 80s, that I prematurely opened up my camera and lost all my pictures of all my memories. But there's a lot of people who have bad memories. So the second part of the look is to go beyond and going into that. Any bad pictures, bad memories, bad pictures that is in the soul for the light to coming in and erases the bad pictures. And the third part of the look that you will have, but we're going to have a little bit more time ministering that look tomorrow. And that is where the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. One is the Father's love. Then it is Jesus and his light, and then the Holy Spirit is going to come in and give life and upgrade in any area where the enemy has attacked you. And it's going to lead to an upgrade. In one look, go right in. It's three seeds that's going in there and starts to change your environment. Amen.